the Hudson River, two years ago. We had classified intelligence that a new episode of abnormal mapping was scheduled for release. The whole thing stank, but our noses have been out in the cold too long. Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 42. I am Jackson Tyler. This is the second in our Metal Gear series of podcasts where I go through the series with interesting guests, and today I talk about Metal Gear Solid 2 with Heather Alexandra, who is at transgamerthoughts.com, also at transgamerthink on Twitter, and her work is starting to be featured on Giant Bomb. She's a great person, this is a great chat. Please enjoy this podcast. We do spoil pretty much every Metal Gear game, so heads up on that. But apart from that, come in, enjoy the chat, and I hope you have a good time on with the show. Hello, uh, welcome to this second installment of these ridiculous podcasts on Metal Gear. Today I have with me Heather Alexandra to focus on Metal Gear Solid 2. Say hello. <laughs> Hi everybody. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm excited to do this because uh, these podcasts came out of I think a, a Skype conversation, not a Skype, a Twitter conversation in like July with you and Austin saying we should probably talk about these games at some point. Um, Austin uh, Howe, that is, who is going to be on for Metal Gear Solid 4. Oh, uh, that'll be good. That'll be good. No, I'm so excited <laughs> yeah, for that. Yeah, that'll be very good. Uh, so I'm incredibly excited to do this one. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't know where to begin because it's such a massive thing. No, I it's guess, it's uh, really tricky. I mean, I, I suppose just sort of go through the game as we encounter different things. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. it's tr- The problem with Metal Gear Solid 2 um, is that to talk about it you have to almost always talk about like the complete package or like the series as a whole but moment to moment like you can still judge it moment to moment it just becomes very tricky because so much of the text is trying to point back like either to itself or to other things it's mm-hmm. very um very labyrinthine yeah uh i was a very different experience playing the second time because i played it uh in july uh when i first played it and played it again now in november and because everything you are told for the entire game is a lie mm-hmm. uh, it um which is the same as the previous game to be fair that's not a new thing for metal gear uh but it, it definitely is a very different experience playing it with uh, the context of uh having played it before and then having played future entries which go on to contradict a bunch of stuff and introduce a whole new uh i feel like three shifts what metal gear is thematically in a big way oh quite a bit once once you not to focus too much on mm-hmm. metal gear solid 3 but once you have the introduction of the boss into the entire metal yep. gear mythos everything changes and I th- we'll talk about that in the second half but uh, now we're going to talk about 
the game which i guess yes. we'll do a summary of like in case you haven't played it which if you haven't one uh don't listen because we're gonna spoil the hell out of it oh yeah absolutely don't listen <laughs> and two go go play it. it's great it's a great time it's uh not very long go play the metal gear games uh, which are not very long until five in which case they're really long but yes very long <laughs> you, uh, it's still a good time uh two begins in uh four two years yeah two years after uh the shadow moses incident which was metal yep. gear solid it takes place in 2004 uh is it two? yes yes for whatever that matters <laughs> I lo- in our fa- in our fake history of uh of things yeah i love the metal gear's fake history it's great yeah uh and it uh, focuses at the start on solid snake uh, infiltrating a tanker where a new model of Metal Gear is being shipped for transport, and that's the, all the setup they give you. They give you a couple of they give you a couple of ominous lines, voiceovered by Snake. He's like, "The whole thing stank, but our noses have been out on the cold too long." And uh, an ominous line from Ocelot, who's on a helicopter, saying, "Like our oh boy, uh, he's arriving right on schedule, so you know something's up." But then it kind of just begins as if it's a normal video game and like a standard sequel to Metal Gear, which it isn't. Uh, no not at all but and and honestly that's sort of emphasized by the tanker chapter mm -hmm. itself um just like the space so like it's i don't want to focus too much on like oh but in comparison to this but uh, the tanker is a weird space yes to have uh especially for the start of of your uh stealth game because so much of it is corridors Mm -hmm. and uh for a stealth game um a lot of what's happening you want to hide behind boxes you want to do all these things and you don't really have that in the first part of metal gear solid 2 which is generally a fair indicator that it's going to be a little bit different Mm -hmm. um in fact the plant is a lot of uh corridor spaces as well especially the bridges in between struts but i think some of that is to emphasize some of the gameplay changes i was gonna say like one of the first things that they stress too is that um is that like okay now you can shoot in first person Mm -hmm. and they have that as as one of the immediate tutorials that you have um snake sort of takes out his m9 and he shoots at a, at a light um and it's also really great that moment because if you skip that cutscene, you keep the extra bullet but if you watch the cutscene, <laughs> you uh you don't have the bullet because you fired it but i think a lot of what's happening environmentally for the first part of metal gear solid 2 is meant to stress those new interactions and a lot of that is um first per- person aiming um mm-hmm. Which has mixed success. I, I like it, but yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and then there's a lot of environmental stuff that mm-hmm. kind of works, but doesn't. Yeah, because the, 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 there's a whole focus on corners in Melga Solid. Uh, the, well, the whole series is about basically breaking line of sight. It's not a splinter cell light dark thing uh, in its uh, yes. stealth design. But um, it has a focus on corners in it because like, it begins that shot with the shadow uh, in the tanker. Uh, it mm-hmm. has a moment of focusing on this enemy shadow and you can see him around the corner so i feel like that's why it doesn't have the boxes that were so prevalent in shadow moses at the start because it's like okay you are in a space and you're in these rooms you're not really using like it, do- it doesn't focus on height so much until the plant chapter uh and when it does it's more about um levels rather than about crouching behind things yes there's lots of uh, enemies on walkways above you or enemies on walkways to the side of you uh and you have to use the first-person view to actually take people out that way. Uh, a large shift between Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 2, just in terms of what Metal Gear Solid 2 does with environmental design, is that environmental design in Metal Gear Solid 2 is a lot more sterile. Yes, yes. Um, 
the the corridors of the tanker um are a little uh unclean in the sense that like when you first enter the tanker there's water on the ground and you can leave footprints even though that rarely is an issue because um the footprints don't last that long but everything else it's just like lights casting down shadows maybe going around corners um maybe the occasional locker the most complicated the space ever really gets is maybe the mess hall or um sort of the lounge mm-hmm. where uh you have the bar but metal gear solid 2's start uh the tanker chapter in general um the strange thing about it for me is that um it's also like it, it almost directly puts enemies like right in your path yes so you, you were talking about that moment with the where you see the shadow mm-hmm right and so you have to move past that guard and there's no actual proper way to the best of my understanding to move past his line of sight you you have to hold him up or you have to sort of like judo flip him and run away um i hmm i actually think you can avoid him if you go the other way go into the locker and let the other guard go past you oh probably but i didn't i never tried that because it's it's very much framing you as okay now you have to take out this guy how are you going to do that but definitely shadow moses had a lot of these like especially just that opening area of shadow moses the heliport or even the tank hangar right mm-hmm. they're pretty large spaces in compar- comparison to this to the spaces that you move around in metal gear solid 2 and i think it's interesting that there are moments during the tanker chapter where um enemies are just funneling towards you mm-hmm. the biggest example of this is the gerlukovich boss fight against the soldiers yes where like obviously that's something that's thrown uh sort of at the player mm-hmm. you don't have the choice to be like well i'm going to avoid these guards no they've detected you and they're going to rush down your position mm-hmm. but a lot of the space in the tanker sort of places as opposed to allowing snake to find ways to move around objects um it sort of wants to see if you can i, I guess judiciously confront them yes um because yeah, like the whole set after the place where the demo ends, which is the uh, gates, and then you go to the second half of the tanker, which is actually only about a third of it in terms of space and gameplay, but it is just one long winding corridor, and you have a bunch of, like, it ends with this forced confrontation, but there's a few enemies beforehand that you just have to deal with, because they're there, mm-hmm. and they'll either walk slowly towards you, or... Com- uh, there's the one with the um, headphones. The headphones? In. Yeah. Yeah. Who you have to confront, but is not aware of you, despite being directly on your path. Right. Uh, so it does all there's... these really neat tricks with that. It's it's a lot of... Um, it's a tonal change, not in terms of like mm-hmm. the mood, perhaps, right? But just in terms of what the game wants you to do. Yes. Um, there's, there's a lot more... Not that Metal Gear Solid, the original, um, de-emphasizes action. Right, but because you have the introduction of the M9, yes, it's in addition to first-person shooting. Um, the environments sort of want to have the player utilize those things, particularly the first section in the tanker, which is just like, okay, you have a trank gun, practice being non-lethal. Here's a new mode of play, even though there's not really anything incentivizing you to do it, other than the fact that the environment itself is almost forcing you to uh, behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, throughout, I feel like the way that Metal Gear Solid 2 approaches space is incredibly different to its predecessor because uh, your power as uh, an agent in the world in Metal Gear Solid 1 uh, increased as you understood your space more. And I feel like that's not tr- true as much in its sequel because in Metal Gear Solid 1, like it is a measurable amount of time before you even get a gun. And if you get a gun, it's only because you explored in the right place. Uh, right you you find it underneath the um mm-hmm. the truck on the helipad uh what no it's in the truck uh, oh in the truck yeah I'd... it's under it's underneath <laughs> the truck in metal gear solid 4 i when i put replayed one i crawled underneath the truck and was like where's the gun the gun should be here yeah no no it's in the truck you're right <laughs> it's in the truck yeah and um <laughs> uh here every key item i think is just given to you uh at the moment that you require it I don't know if that's true throughout the game, but it's for the most part is. There aren't very many times where you are lost for direction in the way you are with uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid 1. Well, I mean, in, in the tanker chapter, absolutely pretty much everything is handed to you with the exception of like rations and boxes that you don't need. And later on, on a second playthrough, like the USP suppressor. Mm-hmm. But like Snake picks up the USP when he knocks out Olga. He starts with the M9. Mm-hmm. You already have your camera. You already have all the equipment that you need. So... Metal Gear Solid 1 is this whole big thing where they're stressing, you know, OSP, right? Like on-site procurement mm-hmm. of um, of your gear and weapons, right? Mm-hmm. But Metal Gear Solid 2, um, Snake and Otacon have basically have their shit together. They're f- vaguely funded. They're receiving supplies from uh, Mei Ling. She's diverting them from uh, the military. So they have everything all set up. So that's another weird thing about the tanker chapter that I've never really caught on to before is that there's... There are a couple things that you can pick up. So, like, there's chaff grenades that you can pick up that are useful. But, like, again, that's something that's only if you maybe look for them. But otherwise, you pretty much are given all the tools that you need in order to make it through the tanker chapter satisfactorily. You can easily make it through the tanker chapter without a single, like, uh, picking up a single item. Oh, sure. Um, Maybe you'll need a bit more ammo and weapons for the uh, boss battle in the corridor. But apart from that, you're pretty much set, uh, which uh, is definitely as in contrast to moments in uh Metal Gear Solid where you are uh what's a good example it, like the uh mind detector in the um i was gonna say the mind detector maybe even having to backtrack to get the nikita or something like that yeah and there and lots of uh of the story in Metal Gear Solid 2 until it unfolds are i need the thing to get to the place but every time that you get the thing it's in a explicitly cutscene narrative setting and it is uh whereas uh, Metal Gear Solid holds back and says, okay, this is the room with the sniper in. You now have that. Um, right. Uh, it's only the key cards, I think, which are specifically given to you by characters in one. I don't remember uh, the exact I'm details. But for the most part, it's definitely for the For the most cards. part, yeah. Yeah. And then... The, the... You, get the, you get the ketchup. But <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that really counts. <laughs> you do. You can get the ketchup. Otacon does give you the ketchup. <laughs> that seems so good. Uh, and then I guess uh, you uh, this this sequence ends with you getting to uh, the center of the hold, or I don't know the the down area, the inside area. Uh, I don't know anything about boats. It's, it's turning out no, it's it's basically a giant cargo hold. Yes, yeah, it's, it's basically the ship's hold. cargo hold where they're holding Metal Gear Ray, mm-hmm. and and so it's it's in a fun weird way you're having a you have a boss fight, but there's not really a boss fight. You're boss fight is finding the right locations on rate to photograph mm-hmm. right but in terms of like what am i doing physically like again it's so hard to talk about metal gear solid 2 without talking about metal gear solid 1 or other things what am i doing with the first metal gear i'm finding well i'm 
doing the same actions, at least vaguely same actions physically on my controller that I was when I was fighting Metal Gear Rex, which is to move around a space, hide behind some boxes, find the right location, go into a first person mode. With Rex, it was the uh, stinger. With Ray, it's the camera. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of have to attack by clicking... um, I think it's square. Yeah, it's, it's the attack button. You press the same button right. you would press to fire. You press the same button, and except this time it's not an active Metal Gear. Everything seems normal. I, I, or everything is nominally uh, okay I mean, compared to like, yeah. you know, it's not rampaging and attacking you. Liquid Snake isn't there yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, which it makes sense with uh, the game's themes, which focus a lot on information. Like, the, it is very clear from this mission that destroying metal gear or attacking people is irrelevant you could kill these individuals you could not kill these individuals that doesn't matter like the impact of this individual action is irrelevant compared to what your main objective is which is to free the information that there is a metal gear here yeah right like so how how does a group like philanthropy which is basically like four people mm-hmm. um if you count natasha i can't even talk right now uh, if, do, if you count the vague vague numbers that are in there do they do they mention nastasha or is she forgotten after one um she they have well metal gear solid 2 has in the darkness of shadow moses which is basically the entire story of metal gear solid 1 written from her point of view oh nice it's entirely written i'm pretty sure uh shuyu murata wrote that Mm -hmm. um he he tends to before heading towards like metal gear solid three and five and things like that mm-hmm. he tends to do a lot of the supplementary stuff like codec and things like that yeah but it's from her perspective but the implication is, is that it's basically just some of the shadow moses survivors so like otacon mailing and so it's like four people and what can these four people do against the government well not much except maybe show people proof that the government is doing like really crappy things mm-hmm. and I, um, yeah i feel like this is the beginning metal solid 2 is the beginning of where uh the series starts to focus on the difference between like individual violence and systemic violence and sure. how uh those things like contrast uh Melga Solid 2 is definitely pulling back the curtain to the greatest extreme that the series ever did in terms of its scope uh but we'll get to that later but for yes. now oh god <laughs> yeah we will oh there's so much there's so I'm much so excited. Yeah, i know i know so uh the the end of the tanker chapter is pretty ridiculous it's brilliant it's i love so it. good um because ocelot shows up uh dispatches the two forces shoots sergey and uh and uh colonel C- commander Dolph. commander Dolph. that's it commander Dolph. commander commandant Cam- commander i forget his rank he's, de- he's, he's in the he's in the navy he's so definitely commandant because they say for like, marines it's yeah. that big um uh speech it's like report to the commandants for his speech yes it's really cool uh, in five minutes time uh, which uh that moment i like a lot because at the start you are um having a lot of uh like sergey's all we have to bring russia back and um even though it was undercut by the ending of metal gear solid one in the post credits it still had a bit with ocelot at the start where it where he gave his mo- um, motives and said i'm going to restore russia but this guy just immediately shooting down both essentially america and russia just dispatching this conflict as petty in the eyes of what is going on in the game is really cool because it's this way of elevating the stakes that takes this known social conflict which is essentially russia versus america in the cold war and says that 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 doesn't matter that is irrelevant to what is happening here that uh the 
like states of play in this conflict are so large and mythic that it's it grounds it in uh i wouldn't say epicness because i think that term's been overused in what it means for video games but what that means in a narrative sense is it is definitely saying that these are people they're basically gods in terms of have their relationship to this society and well it's it's highly complicated too because um right so i'm pretty sure ocelot says um you know i'm returning it to the patriots right but then immediately after that you have dolph who and there's reasons for it within the narrative but he you know he says the lolly lule lo yep and you hear that and you're like what the hell does that even mean um and you know to the best of my understanding the under the reasoning behind that was that those were like syllabic combinations that were hard for easterners to pronounce so it sounded like gibberish but it still sounds like gibberish to um to a western audience right so you have this thing where it's like oh yeah um America's going to have this tool. Oh no, Russia's going to take it. And then Ocelot's like, no, I'm going to give it to these people. And you have the Patriots is a term that comes up, which evokes a certain image and iconography in your mind. But then that's complicated once Dolph says, la, li, 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 lo, and you don't fully understand what's going on. It's nice because Snake's confusion, for one, Snake's confusion mirrors the player's confusion in a way that feels actually thematically cogent, as opposed to him just sort of repeating things. The whole Metal Gear narration of like, Oh, it's Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Um, this time, like, he doesn't know. Like, these are all, like, it's a major element that's being introduced that isn't hinted at in the series previously, like, pretty much at all. And it sort of messes with things in a way that I think is really fun. And then just the ad, the added, it sounds like I'm focusing too much on it, but just the added notion of the term la le lule lo, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you get the sense that, um, like you were saying, there's, there's this emphasis on nations and then there's that's undercut by the introduction of this thing that sounds completely foreign and incomprehensible yeah uh it is essentially like which uh will become explicit later in the text but framing the the known conflicts of human society as below what is actually going on for these people who are so far above what we would comprehend as powerful uh and it recontextualizes what it means to have power in the Metal Gear Solid universe. It's also interesting because Ocelot's eventual like um, uh, alliance is p- like played as a question mark throughout the game, but he just state he straight up says it at the beginning. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> and, but because I regret to inform you that I have no intention of restoring Mother Russia. Yep, as I told you, I came to take it back. And and then you're like, oh wait, but he's still working with Solidus. What does that mean? And then he. Only afterwards do you realize, oh no, they straight up said exactly what was happening in the first two hours of the game, and I'm just left to be confused for the next few hours because I couldn't work it out and keep my finger yeah, on it. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very fun. The the tanker section, because uh, when I first played it, I was struck by how because I knew the under the uh, the Raiden thing was coming, and everyone's like, "This is a this." Oh is sure, a... you you can't hide that after <laughs> nearly, yeah. you know. Uh... It's, it's it's been more than a decade yeah no i knew the writing stuff i i knew like also parts of the ending but none of the like themes behind it so i was like what the the the, the white house is a robot or something yeah right 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 <laughs> it's very it's a very hard game to spoil um uh, and it the actual end of the tanker sector is this really propulsive thing i think it works in a very traditional sequel sense of this big stake raising you didn't realize what was going on big epic moment uh it, the undercut is what happens after when Raiden is introduced. And you're like, oh, oh, this is why everyone hated this game. Okay. Right. Uh, 
Because really... the tanker, I was just gonna say, the tanker is definitely one of the things that happens near the end of it too. Is that it, it's basically like it's this miniature repeat sort of of Metal Gear Solid One in the sense of like here's a Metal Gear, here's Ocelot scheming, here's Snake and Liquid confronting each other. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sort of like this malformed version of it. Yeah, but it's like the first section of Metal Gear Solid Two gives you. A very condensed, weird, remixed version of Metal Gear Solid 1, which then you can sort of cling on to to inform your thoughts as you head into the plant chapter. Mm-hmm. It is a like shortened but different remix of elements of the first game in a way that yes. I mean, the later the, the the plant chapter is explicitly a remake a remix of elements of the first game but, oh yes but in a very different way to this more traditional here's a sequel way that the tanker chapter is. But the, the, the tanker is certainly crafted in a way, um, just so we should note, a way that feels explicitly like it should, it almost feels like it has like a subtitle near the end of it, like the tanker, a solid snake adventure, <laughs> right? Like it has all of these things that you sort of would expect from a solid snake. Um, yeah. And, and like formally too, like the, uh, the game over screen is the game over screen from the first game. Yes. Uh, Otacon tries valiantly to uh, give the proverbs. Yep, and mailing <laughs> mailing can interrupt him if you call too many times, uh, which I, is always great. I only found out about that a few days ago because I was talking to my friend about it and he's like, "Oh, did you know that if you talk to mailing enough, she can interrupt yeah, she you?" Yeah, she comes in and she's like, "What the hell are you doing?" Which was You're not you're not good at this. <laughs> which was fantastic because it's the only it's, I, you never get that experience in 2015 of guy tells you over dinner, "Did you know this thing is hidden in this game?" Oh yeah, and I was—it was glad it was good to have that again. Uh, but yeah, like it—it it is explicitly calling back in every single way to the way you experience, and it feels like uh, in the, the grander context of the game, them saying, "No, we we totally could if we wanted to, just make a, another Metal Gear game, and everyone could go home happy." Well, that's just like now that I think about it, the strangeness of that Mei Ling moment is that mm-hmm. the game literally. <laughs> Oh God, I always hate personifying games so much, but basically the game is saying, yeah, we could have put Mei Ling here, yeah. but we didn't. Instead, and oh God, this ties into all the big stuff later on, but basically it's saying, we could have put Mei Ling here. Here's here's a voice actress. I think it might uh, be um, the same voice actress. I forget. I think so. Uh, um, here's Mei Ling again. We could have put her here. Instead, you have to settle for a bad second-rate version of Mei Ling. Mm-hmm. Which is such a Metal Gear Solid two thing to do. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty good, uh, and it and also I mean just God, it's like we should note too from the tanker chapter. What is the purpose of Metal Gear Solid Metal Gear Ray? Mm-hmm. To destroy other Metal Gears. Yep. Which is phenomenal. I love it. Love it. Love every second of that. Because there's that fantastic line at the start of the game, which is now every state uh, group and dot group com. And dot com. <laughs> It's, it, it's, yep, like, yeah, of course, all the dot-coms in the world with their own Metal Gear Rex. Yeah. You leak that sort of thing onto the internet, there's gonna be some weird Silicon Valley bastards who are gonna be like, well, we need one of these. Uh, what I liked about that development as well was it ties into the standard expectation of a sequel of more, more stuff, you know, the, um, what's that quote that Cliff, Cliffy B, the bigger, better, more badass thing uh, of, okay, now you last time there was a Metal Gear, now there are a thousand Metal Gear, Metal Gear everywhere, but it uses that to make a very pointed statement about the, like, pointlessness of, like, nuclear proliferation and an arms race that is, like, will always exponentially increase unless it is stopped in a different way. It undercuts the player, too, in yes. the sense of, of like, um, 
I suppose like let's presume for a minute that the opening chapter was not um taking photos of a metal gear but instead destroying like a prototype metal gear unit well great you destroyed one out of the mm-hmm. how many thousands are out there which is what um, you did in shadow moses like that, exactly that is an irrelevant act in the universe now but I, i'm moving on to the plant chapter because there's oh, the plant chapter my favorite thing ever we can talk about so many things okay not to say that the tanker chapter is not good tanker chapter is very good but the tanker chapter is oh it's a setup it's a faint it, it, it is it is a lot of um set up especially considering too that um we have to remember too that a majority of the tanker chapter or at least the section leading up to olga was also in the demo disc that was included with zone of the enders uh, the, uh, i think it went all the way up to the uh the gate so i think it's oh yeah yeah but but i mean it is this thing tanker. where it's um people have encountered it maybe before people were trying to sell themselves on it before um i just like this notion of of sort of having a section of your game that was already like it's just a the tanker chapter is like it's interesting to me that basically what's happening with the tanker chapter is that a large part of it is actually explicitly um a demo (laughs) like it's literally ripped for like i mean that's what demos are like the demo disc for metal gear solid was just the initial insertion into into shadow moses it was the um the lower cargo area and then the helip the helipad it was up to the darpa chief right um i think so one version i had was actually just into you crawled into um oh into the hangar into the hangar the first time Mm -hmm. but metal gear solid 2 i like the idea that people probably have already played through this a little bit already considering the sales figures for zone of the ender compared to the amount of people who actually seem to actually give a damn about zone of the enders (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which that's another thing entirely, but just this notion that you, the thing that's tacked onto the front of your game is both a setup for the rest of your game and also just like a a repeat of content that people have already voraciously consumed earlier by buying another one of your products. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which leads into the introduction of Raiden. Uh, Oh, Raiden. (laughs) Who... Okay, I don't know where to begin with the plant chapter because it's... Snake, do you remember the sinking of that tanker two years ago? Oh, right, that's the first line, and it's Campbell. Yep, very... It's That's a great way to start off that chapter mm-hmm. because the answer should immediately be, of course I do, I was there. Well, the last line of the tanker chapter is just Otacon yelling snake. Snake, uh, yeah. right? Uh. And it's just... Um, but I do like the idea of just jumping back and also, you just played through the tanker chapter, and the first question is, do you remember that thing that just happened? Um, well, th- which is a really great way to set There's references up. to this in um, like the Metal Gear Solid 2 design doc and the like, lots of supplemental material, but I feel like it had changed by the time of release uh, that the plant would be something for new players to experience without any prior context. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know if that actually holds up in the way the game was released. I know a lot of stuff changed in Metal Gear Solid 2's development, but I know that was one of the initial plans. For the... There were a, there were a lot of crazy things that were originally planned. Rose was, we'll talk about Rose probably too. Rose <laughs> yeah. was supposed to be on the um, in in the plant. She was supposed to be one of the hostages you were trying to rescue. Yeah, of course, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yep. Yeah, I've read the design doc. It's like, oh, oh, you thought you were going to be able to do this on a PlayStation Two? That's nice. Oh. Yeah, it's it's 
ambitious it's nice yeah anyway tank chapter so introduction to Raiden. Mm-hmm. so i'm somebody who was playing this as it happened and i didn't have a negative reaction to Raiden mm-hmm. because um i had very little expectations heading into metal gear solid 2 even though i had played through metal gear solid 1 now you're somebody who knew that the Raiden switch was happening and yes. so how does that color like for me i was just like oh this is a new character because I don't take metal. I I take Metal Gear seriously enough, but not enough to be like, oh no, I'm not playing a snake. This is terrible. Um, well, not only do what, I, what was yeah, only, what was your reaction? Not only did I know that it was Raiden, I also know of Raiden as Cyborg Ninja Man. Um, oh yes, true. Because uh, I knew a lot of the uh, four is the game I knew the most about, so I knew basically the entire plot of four, uh, almost <laughs> key elements I did not know. Sure. But, um, so I knew that, and I knew about Rising. And so what? So what is? What does that mean to go into this game to have this new person that before, like people saw as a betrayal? And it was honestly less about Raiden, uh, and more about the way. Like my reaction to the beginning of the plot chapter was more about the way that the first half, or so maybe not half, but the large amount of the plot chapter is you doing busy work that doesn't matter while other people of in other places who are like competent figure out the story long before you do yes Uh, that's almost entirely what the bomb disposal segment is because it's the majority of the space and the action in the plant chapter is you disarming these bombs um yeah it it definitely dominates your your experience um for about the first couple hours assuming it's like your first playthrough first couple hours in um the first half of the plant at least mm-hmm. and own and then they like they've referenced this later by explicitly saying that no that stuff was all a test and then we let you in on the other stuff later when you proved you could like handle the crap we've thrown at you uh right which fat man sort of existing as this barometer of whether or not raiden has made it far enough for the you know the patriots plans to actually function the way that they intend them to but my reaction to raiden as a character was more just shocked at just how explicitly like a takedown of the player raiden is like instantly from moment one uh it is fierce in a in a way that even something like spec ops later would wouldn't be i feel uh because spec ops is uh another game that deals with like the role of what it means to play shooters and kill people virtually um and the way it treats his protagonist is like it, he's a monster but it goes about this with a decline whereas raiden's arc is the opposite he starts as this thoroughly unlikable selfish jerk and eventually realizes how to like assert his own identity and be a person with empathy right uh, when he starts off the game his defining characteristic basically is that he's your player character Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's that like that's it like i mean he's he's arrogant he's overconfident considering what we learned about how you know extensively trained he may or may not be um but he just sort of you know the the colonel says you know um you know it's a sneaking mission um you should be are you ready for this and you know he says um you know i've been through all these simulations and he says i i feel like some sort of legendary uh yeah legendary soldier and you and you're like who the fuck are you to even what are you talking about (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's very very it's it's a good setup to the idea that raiden is at least at the beginning when we encounter him somebody who 
thinks he wants to be exactly where he is and then slowly realizes that, oh no, this is exactly like the place I would want to be the least. And uh, what's interesting about him at the start is that he essentially asks all the questions the player is asking of their own situation in a way that Snake never did in the original because uh, Snake just like, the mission, I'm going to, whatever, this, this, all this stuff is happening, I'm focusing on Meryl, I'm focusing on this. Uh, but uh, Ryder's like, well, why don't I do this? Why don't I do this? And you realize that were the audience wants and needs to be voiced in a narrative, the narrative would fall apart. Like, it can't handle just someone going, but why this? In a way that ignores the reality of the universe. Right. And and even better, when Raiden does express that he has knowledge of certain things, they still reiter- reiterate what those things are anyway. So, you know, Colonel says, um, you need to use a node to gain access to the Big Shell facilities network so that you can use your Soliton radar. And Raiden says, um, oh yeah, that radar, I remember that radar from VR training. And then Colonel, without being like, yeah, like training was great. He just he just jumps into like talking about it. He's like, you know, a radar system. It uses bioma- biological magnetic fields. And it's like, these are things that Raiden already knows. But within the fiction, they're still like, let's repeat all of these things for you, even uh, though you think, you know, you have your shit together. Well, the- and that's par- partially for the player's benefit, but it's also this weird demarcation of like, Raiden thinks he knows stuff. And then the colonel's just like... I'm going to talk about this anyway. It's it's the Raiden already knows, and also the the player already knows because they've yeah. played the tank chapter, tanker chapter. Uh, in fact, for the majority, because of how long the the way the get item gating works in um, the plant chapter is incredibly restrictive in a way that had not even the tanker chapter was because for the entirety of the bomb disposal section, which is the largest uh, section of uh, Melgasola Two by far, you are only limited to level one items. Uh, you only have a level yes. one card. You can't get any other weapons. You've got one pistol. Or do you have the tranquilizer as well? Or is that only in the very easy mode? I actually don't remember. You can get the tranquilizer um, as soon as you want. You can actually get the tranquilizer before you even um, get to the cutscene where Vamp kills all the soldiers. You just have to go straight for the warehouse. Oh, right, because he calls you up and says go to the thing, but you can just ignore yeah. him if you want. I... You can just ignore it. You don't have to even do it. I... And then oh, you right. get your SOCOM you get your SOCOM from Pliskin. Yes. <laughs> yes, Pliskin. Yes, yeah, Snake Pliskin. Uh Snake Yep. Uh what I loved about that when I first accounted it was I the idea of Metal Gear having a character twist, but like play it so obviously as not a twist. Like it reads as this double uh, faint of you like expecting there to be a, like another reveal of no this isn't actually Solid Snake because the Metal Gear wouldn't just have something that obvious would it and I was when I first played it I was like is that really Snake because it's probably him but w- really wouldn't there be another weird dumb faint I don't know who knows who even knows well it's, it's great because it, he shows up on screen and they do that they do the thing that every Metal Gear game does where they show the character name and the voice actor and it just says like Iroquois Pliskin mm-hmm. and then it just says David Hater yeah. and you're like oh Okay, I see exactly what's going on here, yep. and it does it does lead you to believe maybe for a moment or two like um, are they messing with me? Because also one of the things that they pose as a mystery right away from the start of the plant chapter is the leader of the terrorist is calling himself Solid Snake, mm-hmm. and Raiden's like, what? Well, they 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 do, but also they uh, like really early on Rose calls you and says it's definitely his body in there, he's missing an arm. And yep. anyone who's uh, played, and, well, 
the tank chapter actually will know the that's liquid though that's clearly liquid i know about yeah. how clones work uh <laughs> the idea it, of it's very strange it's very strange mm-hmm. uh because for the most part the mysteries of uh these plant chapters don't pl- like don't play with like lies so much as just you knowing nothing you just don't like this isn't about this world this story isn't about you it has nothing to do with you you are just in it and you right. bounce up against it but every character reveal until basically the torture scene is just everyone else knew something and you're new to this and no one cares about you yeah pretty much there's a lot of um you know like a good example of that early on is when you encounter stillman mm-hmm. is Raiden's like you know Raiden doesn't know who stillman is even though he probably should be should have been briefed on it but he sees Pliskin, um stillman excuse me and he's like okay don't move keep your hands still like he's treating him like he's a hostile and then uh snake just walks in and he's like yo calm down that's peter stillman and raiden's like what the hell are you talking it's another thing where a lot of times during this conversation i'm gonna say what the hell are you talking about because that's what raiden's mindset is mm-hmm. constantly is just what the what what why what he's like pliskin walks in he's like no he's one of us and raiden's just like okay i guess um there's all this information that Raiden should have, but but doesn't, and he almost just doesn't have that information because the player doesn't have that information, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's such an overlap between player and and Raiden, um, that that has to be the case. Also, that's the whole logging into the node for the first time thing, which is really smart, mm-hmm. and the whole uh. Well, the eventual twist of the game being uh, how everything was like the things that you just assumed were true. Like, why did you why did you ass- base everything else on those assumptions? They are incredibly arrogant assumptions for you to think that the briefing, the kernel, and everything, the formal elements of the game exist for you. Like, why would you think that? Uh, and th- that's basically what happens is um, if you ignore the first, like everything the kernel says. If you ignore everything the kernel says. It's very easy to plot to put together the plot of Metal Gear Solid 2 before you actually know. Mm-hmm. The mystery depends on you trusting something that is clearly not true. And the conflict of information there. And everything that is that you assume to be true comes from what you expected from Metal Gear Solid 1. Which, uh, I, I'm surprised we haven't referenced it so far, but if you haven't read Driving Off the Map... Oh, sure. Uh, which is... James's yep. amazing work. Uh, it's a it's a piece of critical writing by James Howell. Just look it up. If you've if you made it this far into the discussion, you're clearly interested in Metal Gear Solid Two. Read it. It is some of the best criticism ever. Yeah, it's really and good. It's, it's it's essential reading if you want to look at this uh, this game as a text. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, so the, 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 I guess we can move on towards the end of the plant chapter and what is going on because through a couple of reveals with Ames and then the president and then Emma you like the picture of who the patriots are starts to form and i think that's my favorite element in all of the metal gear games sure because eventually um well before this as well uh the core of the series has been the tragedy of what it's like to be a soldier and this individual used at the whims of nations and states and thrown away your own personality matter not mattering at all uh metal gear solid 2 with the creation of the patriots essentially expands that to the entirety of uh american society uh it is explicitly about america in this game but i feel like it does like it as it goes on with the war economy and everything 
it is more just talking about capitalism as a thing uh and bryden's eventual journey to me is about what it means to learn that the world you are in is controlled by all these forces that like all these systemic forces that you don't inherently understand because they conflict what you are taught and what it means to just be an aware person in the world and how you are gonna like be okay with that uh, sure a lot of that is a slow, slowly dawning like, like you said a slowly dawning realization on the player's part too yes. and it becomes more inc- it becomes more and more clear the more you encounter both things that are really bizarre even by the standards of metal gear and then also things that feel like they're repeating themselves mm-hmm. so fortune and vamp are a pretty good indication that things like at first you sort of dismiss dead cell as being like a repeat of fox sound which they are but they're they're abilities are like almost even more explicitly paranormal than anything in foxhound bar say like psychomantis you just assume and, oh that's a, a repeat of a foxhound because you have a repeat of foxhound there's a sequel of course you do right and and the only thing that's sort of off is like well like shit vamp just won't die <laughs> mm-hmm. no, none of these characters die the only like you you don't even technically even have to kill fat man there's just this weird thing where all of your confrontations with these characters are sort of Raiden asserts himself the player asserts himself and they're immediately undercut like you survive the fortune battle you don't even get to be the one who shoots vamp vamp gets shot in a cutscene during at least during that point and then you think vamp is dead and then he comes back which just sort of undercuts the player's goals in a way that's really vicious and cruel and then you get things like the repeat of the cyborg ninja so you have Mr. X show up and you sort of begin to think like, what the heck is going on here? Then you have Ames messing with you um, in terms of saying like, you know, the president went rogue of his own accord. And then you have what is basically a repeat of the the electric, the electric floor um, segment of Metal Gear Solid 1. The more that you see these repeated things and the more that you see... Um, more these twist mount the more the players start like really starts to go like okay everything here is completely absolutely jumbled Mm -hmm. and it all builds up to the (laughs) the experience that is the final two hours of metal gear solid 2 yes (laughs) which i I, you know once you hit once you hit arsenal gear Mm -hmm. it's it's a hell of a thing actually i i want to quickly uh go back to right before that because uh to the thing that was the most the most surprising thing about playing through the game wasn't actually the ending although it kind of was it was the 45 minutes before the ending that i feel like i had never heard about despite knowing a lot about metal Gear Solid 2 which is sure. emma emmerich <laughs> emma <laughs> sure what what happened it i actually think for how bad that stuff could have gone it ends up in a pretty good place but at the start, I was like, "Oh, oh no!" Oh, the game no. basically the game basically decides to give you a really terrible escort mission, and then ends that escort mission with you failing, which is another like this game hates the player. Mm-hmm. It really does. I like um, some of the, the situation hates Raiden. <laughs> it's very true. But I like some of the escort mission. I like the bit where you have to swim because I feel like it treats emma's uh trauma as valid yes uh which i like the emma stuff has a lot of problems in uh, its portrayal but that was one of the bits i appreciated was that no she is scared of water that is that is okay um 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize until this time, but if you're pressing the like R2 buttons during conversations and hearing Raiden's inner Yeah, you can like, listen to their thoughts. Uh, and Raiden's like getting cross with Emma. He's like, uh, being so selfish, why are you doing this? Which is completely lost on me um, the first time because I just interpreted Raiden as being completely genuine at that point and had like, I've got to help people. That's what I got to do. But no, he's still apparently the beginning of the game Raiden there in his thoughts. Uh but no, I like I like that stuff with Emma. But the Emma stuff is weird because it is it begins a sequence of all three major women characters in Mel Gasola two dying horribly one after another. Yes. Uh, um, and the stuff with Otacon's family is questionable at best, but like it ends up okay because it ends up being this like short little parable about um people doing unhealthy things to like try to find like love in in a platonic sense like a more in a validation meaning sense right um but it could have been like it was it was real worrying when i'm like oh okay uh, and the, the thing that i noted about that was more that often you get the sense of this narrative that with quiet and everything uh that metal gear has and, and obviously ground zeroes that metal gear has somehow got worse where i feel like it's just been it's actually been fairly consistent in its portrayal of there are things that have got worse and better between games, but it's had problems from the start. And if- well, I mean, Snake, Snake, for instance, is like if we're talking about Raiden's attitude towards Emma, Snake's yeah. attitude towards Meryl for a large stretch of Metal Gear Solid is incredibly dismissive, right? It's and a great way of expressing that is mm-hmm. when they're in the bathroom and he's like are you sure you want to use that desert eagle? Don't you want to use my 45? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't this be better for a girl? Right. It's, it's, it, it manifests in small moments like that, but it's always present, right? It's always present. To, to say nothing of Otacon's situation with Sniper Wolf, but that's, that's sort of muddier. Which, yeah, that one's muddier because I almost like it because he's so, I'm fairly sure it's intentional that he is, ha- the Sniper Wolf doesn't know his name. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, and the Meryl stuff ended up being, works out a lot better for me in uh, the ending where she dies in that which says a lot about where metal gear's priorities lie um, yes in that you see that snake does care about her but only in the sense of a part of his mission well it's this thing you know he says like you know i failed i couldn't be the hero i couldn't do this and to an extent metal gear solid 2 is doing that again mm-hmm. um you know you can't save emma you you know Olga has to give herself up to protect you, mm-hmm. um, even though really she's protecting her child. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of how, the way that the game is framed, you know this is an NPC sacrificing their life for you. Um, it's this it's this large thing where, um, I mean not to overanalyze it in terms of where Metal Gear Solid 2's priorities lie, yeah. um, but certainly um, women in Metal Gear Solid 2 their death just tends to be a, a a barometer for your failure as an actor um and as a character i think that's true of every character except fortune uh, right well i mean we also it, it still is important to remember that fortune sort of does like give her life for everybody else fortune uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to fortune actually in a second because i think fortune's death is really interesting one of the most interesting moments in the whole saga uh but anyway so you get captured the torture scene happens again and the truth of metal gear solid 2 is basically revealed over a couple sequences and then an hour-long monologue and a final boss battle 
Heck yeah. It's it's it is great. And you th- it, it starts off really slow. You think that maybe the revelation is just the revelation about Raiden's past. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I was a child soldier. This is why I don't let people in. You know, this is why I don't like when you go inside my room. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, okay, now I get a better grasp of like, hey, this is a game about identity. Um, this is why Raiden is who he was. But then it goes like, oh, no, 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 no. Raiden is also these things. And he's explicitly being made these things within the fiction and within sort of the meta text of the game. Every single reveal and every single moment in the ending is basically pulling out the camera further and further and further to reveal the truth of the situation. Right. Uh, because despite the fact that uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 is like an important postmodern game and has all these meta elements, like that's not even the final layer. That's the second to final layer. And even <laughs> that is revealed to be part of some other greater thing is going on because it starts with um the reveal of raiden's uh, identity and then you get the uh bits where the colonel starts telling you to turn colonel starts going crazy <sighs> which then you learn that the colonel is transmitting from arsenal gear mm-hmm. and you're like what the hell yeah uh which i think that's the moment when i was playing it the first time that i was like that's that's where i got i fell off not fell off in terms of uh, uh keeping up but it was the moment was like hang on his the entire nothing's been real everything because that possibility space before like before the final explanations while you're still in arsenal gear the amount that could be true at that point is infinite Mm -hmm. like nothing could be real everything could be real like your certainty is so low uh and lots of games try to come up with this effect i feel uh through a, like a, a twisty plot that mean, means at the midway point you don't know what's true and what isn't and this is maybe the most effective example of that that i've seen because i was just like anything can happen and i feel like that the game leaves you on that note as well uh, like the final line of the game being they're all dead for a hundred years is like is, you know what the hell <laughs> what what even could follow this uh yeah and so you, you 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 fight alongside Solid Snake, which I think is uh, this really cool moment, uh, and you use a sword for the first time. I was going to say you get the sword yep. as well, which is a huge thing. Uh, and Snake's got his infinite ammo bandana on. <laughs> yep. Uh, but you make it to the top of Metal Gear, Arsenal Gear, and th- I don't know where. Wh- all right, where do we begin with what the end of Metal Gear Solid Two is? I assume. So, like the super fast version, not in terms of summarizing it, because I assume people. Ha- the hit people have to be familiar with it to even keep up. Sure, but to keep up, just what do, what do, what do we want to start? Because <laughs> um, this is it. This is where everything is basically is. Well, first, like I guess, first you start off with what the notion of what mm-hmm. we initially think the S three plan is. So, solid snake simulation, right? Let's ignore the broader um, implications yes. that has for like riding in the player for now, mm-hmm. and just think about it as like a thematic construct or a narrative construct um because it's this it's this whole thing where it's like okay well we want soldiers we want the best soldiers possible well what are we going to do to get those soldiers we are going to manipulate them lie to them even more explicitly than what's happening in metal gear solid where it's like okay the colonel is just not telling snake stuff here it's like this scenario is being explicitly formulated in order to make Raiden for for the express purposes of having Raiden turn into a certain type of individual it's complete um you know social selection social experimentation which sort of ties back to a couple things within the game which is one the notion of like 
VR training soldiers and sort of altering environments and perceptions that way. Then there's also Raiden's past when he was a kid, the way that they were controlling him in terms of like, okay, yeah, well, they put like gunpowder in your food and they do all this stuff. And so one of the big themes that's present in Metal Gear Solid 2 that gets buried underneath all of the other crazy stuff is this notion of... um what does it take to be to turn someone into like not necessarily a soldier but like a weapon right like what does it take to create a weapon like to make somebody mentally um a weapon and the answer is that it just takes an intense amount of like trauma just like forced mm. and direct trauma i i don't think it uh, it gets buried under everything um i feel like cuz it's basically the thematic inverse of uh, melga solid in that the first game is all about the idea of genes as what or whatever genes are in the Metal Gear Solid universe, uh, as right. it basically inherent nature, and what does it mean to be a person with things predetermined inside you and have your identity controlled in that way? And this is the opposite of that. This is okay. How does external influences, how does information and society and just greater forces shape someone into the person that they are? Is it possible to completely mold a person, uh, like mold anyone into another person through control of their outside environment? is the question that the S3 plan poses to me. Um, like, it's specifically about war and uh, turning someone into a weapon, but the like, greater implication, at least by the end of the game, is how is a person's identity... Like, what is self? Uh, right. Uh, so a good example of that, I guess, is um, probably the first codec call that Raiden has... Um, after the Harrier fight yes. with Snake, once he finally knows who Snake was, he says, um, you're a legend. And Snake says, uh, legend is nothing but fiction. Somebody tells it, everybody remembers it. Uh, so, excuse me. Somebody tells it, somebody else remembers it. Everybody passes it on. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does it mean to sort of... So how how is somebody shaped into something uh, that maybe they're not or maybe that they need to become via acclamation or things like that? It's this idea that know why is snake a legend well everybody calls him a legend Mm -hmm. why is raiden going to be sort of this snake 2.0 well it's because the patriots are sort of making sure that the world around him and all of the information around him sort of points him in that direction Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and then after the first s3 reveal um Olga sacrifices herself in a callback to the first sacrifice of Grey Fox, but it's really hollow because in Grey Fox's sacrifice in Metal Gear Solid is this heroic moment of like conflicting interests and Naomi betrayed you, but you understand why, and then you understand why Grey Fox is so like broken up about it, and all these things like come to a head. Uh, whereas um, Olga's sacrifice is far more just out of obligation. Like her sacrifice actually also doesn't even really achieve much right apart, like well, at least apart at least from, in a physical sense uh, like uh, uh, gray fox destroys the radome on on I mean, rex it, technically not in okay in this game it achieves nothing in the wider sense it basically in the wider sense absolutely completely like is the reason metal gear Solid 5 has 4 has a kind of happy ending um but uh in no in this game it's just the my child like i am i don't have the spectrum of free will that i want because all these other forces are playing on me so this is the only option i can really take like how much of like her sacrifice isn't really her choice she's like has to do this to keep a lot of other things going so it's uh 
devoid of that usual cathartic meaning and instead puts this real hollow feel on the player and it's absolutely brutal too (laughs) not to say that gray fox's death was not brutal either but there's something to be said between the difference um the difference between going from playstation 1 to playstation 2 um like it makes a difference like the violence in metal gear solid 2 um with, with like, every when, when somebody gets shot in the head or anything like that it feels really harsh and so olga's death is really visceral too whereas when you're dealing with metal gear solid things are still fairly abstracted uh partially like i think it's definitely a technological thing as well but um like every single metal gear game has had more grim violence yeah. than the one preceding it uh like i think the first moment that made me uncomfortable um in the whole series was uh like when i was like oh this is getting a bit far was the volgan's torture of i don't remember the character but the guy in the barrel in sokolov sokolov yes sokolov that was it uh and that scene was like oh oh they're really going for it which obviously we know like we know where that goes in five Um, yeah but no no that definitely uh is uh, a trend so we have we have the first reveal of what s3 is which is solid snake simulation so, which is mm-hmm. the idea of recreating Ooh, the first um, a soldier the first reveal is that that was your vr training and then the second reveal is that that is the game you are playing the solid yes simulation. that's ex- that's entirely what the big shell scenario is yeah. and like you are meant to emerge from it as solid snake rather than go into it as solid snake and and then then i guess the twist that follows after that is also just the return of liquid snake which I suppose counts as a twist in the sense of like, at least it gets it it gets rid of Ocelot as an actor, it removes Snake from the picture for a bit. No, directly before that is uh, the reveal of Solidus's actual plan, which is a list of names of the Patriots. Yes, and Fortune's death scene, which I don't know, but it might be the only instance of unexplained supernatural phenomena in the metal gear universe because a lot of ridiculous stuff goes down but there's always an explanation when fortune just her power is removed but in this ultimate act of defiance like despite the patriots claiming everything special about her came from them is just inherently able to do it herself and like continue on having her powers is yeah it's it's interesting it's very schopenhauer it's Mm -hmm. very like i have a will there's a will that's being sort of asserted on me to to a different extent in each game like by the end of like the final act of every metal gear game like reality kind of is stripped away and it descends into full opera at a point uh and this is one of those moments where it's like no i i refuse to have this stuff taken away from me i can still do this like reality Mm -hmm. be damned and there's also there's like the small things with fortune too not not to focus too much on it but it's also like ocelot shoots her and you think she's dead and it just turns out oh her organs are inverted (laughs) like or flipped rather Mm -hmm. which is an actual physical condition but it only exists for the explicit purpose of keeping her alive a little bit longer so that she can do what you just said Mm -hmm. just sort of deflect the missiles which is it's this very weird string of like oh i have powers no you don't you have electromagnets oh i shot you oh no your heart's over here oh no you actually do have powers now i'm being taken over by a ghost like it's it's like the ending Mm -hmm. the progression of events that happens um at the end of metal gear solid 2 is is absolutely um beautiful in its absurdity yeah and like the the pace at which a new thing happens 
is like kept up for about 45 minutes of oh okay that's it oh no that's it oh what what and just escalating to the point of you are eventually talking to the sentient america yeah (laughs) sort of this weird collective unconsciousness Mm -hmm. that formed within the white house that now exerts physical control over america Mm -hmm. and Um, which is the second reveal which is um first sort of what the patriots are and then actually what s3 actually is which is selection for societal sanity and it's in this uh codec conversation between like at this point you've already crashed into federal hall by the way uh yes um, but which is its own can of worms entirely it's, yeah and man the stuff they cut out of the ending sequence yep Whew. yeah a lot of stuff (laughs) well the stuff they cut out but it's more than like it it still works but they went went for it so much harder before they had to like dial it back the the statue of liberty was going to be displaced from from ellis island and all this other stuff it's gonna be to be crazy the scene where like the end the final cut scene has um like raiden like hit his sword on nothing originally he's meant to like hit the sword off the flagpole which is empty in this game and the yeah, f- the flag's supposed to fall down and drape over Solidus's body. Which, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really wonderful. Uh, I mean, I say that about everything in this conversation right now, but but no, it's what, no, this what ending was has really. So much. Yeah, you go. If people ever want to experience that version, they can actually read the novelization, which keeps all that stuff in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but you really should be playing the game. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> don't read the book. What are you doing? For as much as people say, this is movies. Play the fucking play the game. game. Um, <laughs> and th- this this conversation where uh, the Patriots basically... I mean, the later games recontextualize what the Patriots are, but for Metal Gear Solid 2, you're essentially talking to the id of the Patriots. Like this, We are the very discipline and moralities that Americans invoke so often. Yeah. How can anyone hope to eliminate us? Yep. Like, fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And this is the point where the game goes most explicitly to just operating in an absurdist sense, and like a not... Mm, Absurdus is the wrong word, but like, it doesn't care about the science at this point. It doesn't care about its own internal logic. It is operating on its thematic logic. It is wants to talk about these these concepts, and it is going to do so. And these, uh, this moment is basically the the first moment that the patriots, who have been referred to in hushed tones as like obviously evil and these bad things, finally get to have their say. And it is astounding how like uh, much it like room it gives them to be right. Um, because the end of the game eventually like comes down hard and says no, the, this is wrong. We have to preserve our like have to preserve our culture, good and bad, and that's the only way we're going to move forward as a species. But it, yeah, and we and we sort and we are the ones who sort of choose what to value and what to pass on. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to have all of the information, all of the data, even sort of like the extra detritus. But the patriots sort of want to cull and harvest that. Admittedly, sometimes with with points to their logic, they're like, okay, excess digital information is going to spread a lot of mistruths that people are going to believe, and that's going to cloud people's judgments, and that's going to affect sort of how people function on a broader level, which then affects the nation. And you're like, yeah. I wonder how I, I like. I wonder how this was received back in when it was released because this stuff has been uh, so prescient in strange ways, like. Playing this game in a world where Twitter exists mm-hmm. is so different to playing it in a world where Twitter is seven years away. Holy shit, yes. <laughs> uh, whereas, like, I'm playing this game and I can see, like, the way online sub-communities, like, form and people do keep their own truths and have, like, are able to exist in these uh, 
spaces and how much of that stuff is that the patriots say who are the villains of the game come like comes to fruition in a weird way um and then raiden's character at this point is basically uh the hypocrisy of american individualism made into one person because um they they completely disconstruct the notion of like american freedom and meritocracy as this thing that exists well they say um uh, you know it's not my fault it's your fault but they also do the thing they say you know self is something that uh you fashioned but every time something goes wrong um what is it uh you turn around and place the blame on something else. and they also say like um they talk about how like some like the just values hypocrisies that are just around the world and how like you can be okay with some deaths but not other deaths and you'll say that like you'll say that the world is equal despite the like privileged people having way more ability to do things and move through the social structures of the world and right this scene to me is raiden's like moment of confrontation with the reality of the world and removing him like freeing himself of the comfortable lies he's told himself to feel okay about living and it also um in a reverse way what the patriots say empowers some of what he's going to say because they they at least acknowledge the power of the like the strength of the individual but they see it as a negative thing right they say um you know a single person has the potential to ruin the world right Mm -hmm. and that's true but Ryden's conception is trying to figure out okay a single person okay that's a thing i that's certainly true i've seen it but i he he wants to assert that a single person and in particular he himself has a measure of value beyond being sort of destructive and and sort of um self-delusional right he wants to break free from this sort of really well-maintained cycle Mm. that locks him in an identity that's not even his and the patriots call him out on that bullshit all the time um but he's not able at least not until he's he literally kills his past when he kills solidus he's not able to conceive of a way to sort of counter their arguments you know they say you know why did we call you uh raiden well the americans called that plain jack and he and like it just messes with him he's like i'm not a weapon but he, he all he can do is assert that he isn't the things that the patriots says he is he doesn't like fashion his like own identity until yeah he's not able to do that until afterwards that is a phone ringing yeah he fights solidus and eventually like beats like he wins but the, the the idea of what a victory is in this game is very strange but i actually like it's one of my favorite things because i feel like this is true in that uh these two things are true in the Metal Gear Solid 2 is the only game in the entire series where the villains completely win like they win in every way there is an outright victory for the villains and the heroes achieve nothing it is also probably the happiest ending in the series yes it's very it is both of those things at once it's so strange and then also just to talk about villains for for a moment too Mm -hmm. um solidus is surprisingly understandable in his motivations compared to someone like liquid solidus isn't a villain i feel like no no well but i mean like just in terms of like he's his role as an antagonist right let's not use the word villain then um i I don't know we under we understand like what he's trying to do and raiden has cause to kill him even though the game also gives like random cause to you he also goes like by the way i killed your parents and you're just like what okay Um, (laughs) and he does that's the actual phrase that's literally the line by the way jack i'm the one who killed your parents 
And that's just him trying to get Jack to fight him mm-hmm. because he has to kill him to take the nanomachines in his blood, right? But it's it. Well, it's a happy ending, but it's the great thing about un- everything leading up to this is that looking back on it, you have a sense of what everybody's motivation was, even though at the time everything seems so goddamn confusing. Also, until like before three, Solidus basically exists as. Uh, a person not personification but a like the, the closest thing to big boss in a world that doesn't have big boss anymore like right this is the beginning of sympathetic big boss of a big boss you can understand because in the first game like he in uh in metal gear solid in eh, metal gear 2 solid snake he has the short monologue saying um uh, i'm doing this for soldiers do we have always forgotten but at this point the grander societal like patriot stuff had is not existed for at least oh not at all not, like not even begun uh and Solidus is the start of okay what does it look like to have a villain that is correct in like their motives and even some of their techniques because i think one of the things that's really interesting about how two positions um the three snakes is that they actually all have the exact same objective all three of them yes and when Raiden calls out Snake and says, "Aren't these like? Aren't you basically a terrorist?" and Snake goes, "Kinda." Um, like yeah, Otacon Ar- admits it. He sort of says, uh, "What you?" He says, "Like what you do isn't activism. It's more like ter- terrorism." And Otacon just go- goes, "Like yeah, I admit that." The the game is very aware that Snake is just as much a bad person, not to the extent of Liquid, but. Or Solidus's plans, but he is someone doing illegal things and doing things that are very bad, like murdering people, with the extent of this higher higher aim. Uh, and the only difference is that you see that aim as right and are like okay with it as a th- cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I really love the way it positions, because again it f- factors into like the vi- he is counteracting societal violence done like structural systems that the patriots are control like enforcing. Uh, so what is his individual like badness in comparison to that uh, yeah and then the <laughs> the ending itself being just like just uh the entire ending is just Raiden feels okay like nothing is resolved but the ability to feel okay is a victory in and of itself yes the sort of to get rid of the um the anxiety that's holding over over you or over at him mm-hmm. throughout the entire game. Um, and obviously the greatest expression of that is when he throws away the dog tags, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not they have the player's name on them, that gesture of throwing away military accoutrement um, is really big. He's just like, I'm, I'm, I am making my own identity and I'm going to live it. Like I know the structures of this world. I know they are unfair. I know this is a bad place, but I still have to be a person. And I st- like, it's, no no one is helped by me being like angry at this in an yeah. unproductive way. I still have to exist. I still have to live. I still have to help people. And I have to choose what I care about. And that's what I want to do. Like the end of the game is basically a monologue where it directly talks to the player and says, just care about something. Just care yeah. about something. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's, um... Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could be more articulate sometimes about games that I love. But Same. dang, do I, I really do like this game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, do you have any? We're gonna do a we'll take a break in a moment to talk about the a shorter section on just the series and, and uh, I can't talk. No, it's all right. <laughs> we'll we'll take that break because when that 
section hits um jesus christ i'm going to talk about a lot of stuff yeah but are there any final thoughts about two that you want to just hit now um i don't think so i think i think this has been a a nice loose conversation Mm -hmm. um i think it's the i think it's the end of a certain type of metal gear in the sense of the way that it flows mechanically yes uh for whatever that is worth once you hit snake eater things change dramatically um the pace alters um thematically things alter well, yeah, to uh, a certain degree but i mean like the pace certainly alters going from if you go from metal gear solid and metal gear solid 2 and then you jump to like 3 and 4 like there's such a there's a strong uh, shift of things but i really like the way for lack of having anything more interesting to say i love the way that metal gear solid 2 plays it feels very smooth it feels very sterile but um i don't see that as a negative thing it sort of reinforces everything that the game's about in a very neat way mm-hmm. yeah it it feels really good to hold in the hand but without like it doesn't feel old i guess like it feels purposely not in keeping with modern design trends like playing it in 2015 it's like oh it, you press square to fire but that feel like that of course you do because that's just how this thing is it's this sterile uh enforces a very uh distancing effect between you and yes. raiden or snake uh, that is not present in later games i feel and yeah right mm-hmm. but no thank you thank you very much yeah and we'll, oh my god this is great we'll come back with segment two after insert soundtrack song <laughs> Ooh. i know back we're back now we made it back from the soundtrack song that i haven't chosen yet but it was probably great actually i don't know i, th- I loved it <laughs> thank you uh, yeah. one of my hot takes is that i think i think manica Sword 2 might have the worst of the games like vocal tracks I'm not a big fan of can't say goodbye to oh yesterday. can't say goodbye to yesterday it works so well in context but it's got strong competition it's got strong competition but no so uh this is the part where i talk a little bit more generally about or to you about your experiences with the series as a whole because it's such a long running it's run for 28 years or 27 years 27 years Um. and there have been many different people who have experienced it in different ways it has a uh, vast amount of opinions and like takes away from it so i just want to like when the first question obviously is when did you what was your first metal gear game how did you come to the series my first time ever playing the game was a demo disc for Metal Gear Solid that came with PlayStation Magazine at my friend's house. Mm-hmm. He subscribed to the magazine. It was on the disc. It was just sneaking through, um, getting into Shadow Moses, to the best of my recollection anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember for the longest time not even being able to get onto the elevator. <laughs> um Mm-hmm. Which I say that now, and I'm like, what are you talking about? That's super easy. But at the time... No, that, that makes um, sense to me. You know, this is... 
It's not as if Metal Gear as a series was new or the notion of stealth games was necessarily new, but nothing had been sort of fully realized in the way that Metal Gear Solid was, even in that demo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a game like Siphon Filter or something doesn't really compare, um, even though I might be getting my chronology out of order there, but that was my first experience with it. Then I, I bought the game. Um, I forget how old I was. And then... <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 2 came out around the time I was in high school, Yeah, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just stuck with it. Um, I remember being excited for Metal Gear Solid 2, not, but not really keeping up with things as much. So I, I do remember the trailer, like the trailer that doesn't have Raiden. The, the nine-minute one on the D3 one. Yes. 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 That has like the the uh, the Harrier fight on the Verrazano Bridge and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. Um man, yeah, that one day I want to do a like walk through all of the Kojima trailers. Yeah, I'm... the the one that's just a huge lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, I never had it's sort of like we said before, I never had a problem with Raiden mm-hmm. and, and and honestly, um this title is the one that I keep on coming back to and I wish I understood why that was because the game that comes right after it is like almost it's more narratively cohesive thematically compelling um Mm -hmm. i agree it play it plays better um (laughs) even though even though i said at the end of last segment that i like the way metal gear solid 2 plays but it plays very differently than than snake eater um i think it's the content right i think well i think it was saying stuff mm -hmm. that i was understanding as important even before I fully understood the ramifications of like the social theory and stuff it was espousing. Um, and it was doing stuff that I sort of picked up on unconsciously, but now with the benefit of hindsight can absolutely see what was going on, which is great. The thing I was thinking earlier is that between two and three, I feel like two is in many ways the like intellectual core of the series is where most of the big ideas are. It has, like it's a very dense game that says a lot of stuff and is very just full of stuff to unpack and think about and three i feel is the emotional core of the series especially going forward like especially after three everything has been informed by snake eater uh but it's a far more simple uh thing it's this very singular game it was all focused around one relationship and one moment everything is about those two things but yes uh so what do you think of the like metal gear after snake eater or snake eater itself like what is so one it sounds funny to say but one of the things that i actually couldn't swallow coming off of metal gear solid 2 yes. because metal gear solid 2 concerns itself with explaining so much of its fiction yep um uh when i first heard of so i remember when like story leaks were were coming out about metal gear solid 3 yes and i first heard about like the pain mm-hmm and I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my life. Which one's the pain? Oh, he's the one who shoots the bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Metal Gear, right? right yes. <laughs> so that so that came out, and I was like, "This sounds insane," and I didn't know how it would work in context because at least, like, it sounded so funny, but like, I guess digital vampires is like where i drew my line well it's weird in that every game has had something incredibly ridiculous and then somehow the next game can have something you're like that's not it's man with a skull for a face get out of here right <laughs> and it, but it, it i it was definitely i like playing through metal gear 
solid three a lot mm-hmm. and i'm amazed that i played through it as many times as i did mm-hmm. with like playing just the normal version and not playing subsistence mm-hmm. because the camera changes in subsistence are absolutely wonderful they change that game yeah i need to play it to make it something better yeah playing it from the fixed perspective is so strange after after playing with with them mm-hmm. i really need to understand uh, it that way because uh i've ne- i've played it with the subsistence camera of course I'm like okay, yeah. Because why wouldn't you just just play it with that off, and it's entirely different. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Metal Gear Solid Three a lot. I think it has some of the smartest, um, for lack of a better explanation, gameplay moments. Um, in fact, they're so smart that the series calls upon them again. So like, hey, the boss fight with the end was really good. Mm-hmm. Well, Metal Metal Gear Solid Five is going to have a boss fight against Quiet, mm-hmm. and it's going to be basically the end, but not even as good as what happened in Metal Gear Solid Three. Um, or if if that makes sense, yeah, yeah. I, there, there's a lot of great stuff happening in Metal Gear Solid Three. It has a rail shooter segment, which is absolutely bonkers as well. Um, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Three felt. I mean, both games feel confident. Uh, confident rather. Metal Gear Solid Two is very confident in sort of what it wants to present, but Metal Gear Solid Three has a hell of a lot of swagger. It's. Uh, I think maybe one was as well but three is very clearly a second game made on a console like four four and five and have all were both like like five's development is troubled in every single way it is possible for development to go bad uh four's development was we are making a game for a new console that is the playstation 3 so it's just impossible to get anything working but three is okay we have made a game on this one system we know what we can do how do we execute on that and you can tell just as a thing that it was made uh there's a like coherency to its structure that i feel like is the best in the series there's a part of me that actually and this is the broadest of conjecture mm-hmm. there's a part of me that wonders how much of the repeated form of metal gear solid 2 exists because not just because it's something that the game wants to do thematically and narratively and metatextually but also just because it was easier to do in general to sort of set up this space have familiar um sort of confrontations and and i wonder how much of that like i'm by no means am I going to imply that the development of Metal Gear Solid 2 was easy, um, but I wonder if adherence to the form of Metal Gear Solid 1 made it easier, at least in terms of, like, how do we design this space? Well, okay, our boss fight arena for Fat Man is going to be physically identical, except, you know, for textures, to the boss fight arena for like vulcan raven uh i don't know i wonder because i know that like i can read the design doc and see the things that were planned that they had to end up cutting from metal gear solid yes two and there's a lot of them but they all seem to be of the like originally like you are going to be fighting solidus whilst um snake is fighting um liquid and there's police officers everywhere in the middle of new york and that's the ending of the game like that was <laughs> that yep like what uh whereas um they all seems to come out of more just an ambition and not understanding the limits of the technology, I feel like. So I don't know. They're, 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 we can never know. I would love for them to open up about the development processes for these games. But one, Konami, and two, Japan in general is far... Uh, le- like Less information about the process comes out, uh, just culturally. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, I, guess, I guess my big thing with Metal Gear Solid 2 is that it's so important to understand Metal Gear Solid 2 um, 
Oh God, I hate phrasing it like this, but like, <laughs> yeah, I always, so, 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 so let's put it these ways, right? So like yes. Metal Gear Solid one is a game about how shitty it is to be in an action movie. Yes. And then Metal Gear Solid two is a game about how shitty it is to be in a Metal Gear Solid game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, regardless of how recursive that statement is, um, the only game that comes close to following that sort of sentiment is Metal Gear Solid 4. But Metal Gear Solid 4's general conceit is, here's the Metal Gear series on steroids. <laughs> it just it just takes everything. That's, you know, that's why, you know, you have Laughing Octopus who is... Like, that's why the boss designs in those games are so crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why you have... You know, she's she's using a P90 like Solidus does. She has tentacles like Solidus does, but she's disguising herself and camouflaging the way that you know, uh, Gray Fox did in his boss fight, but she's also calling back to um, Decoy Octopus. Like, that game just takes everything that's within its canon and puts it into a blender and just sort of says, like, here you go. This is what you wanted, right? But Metal Gear Solid 2 looks at Metal Gear Solid 1 and says, okay, you guys really, really want a sequel to Metal Gear Solid. Um, so much so that you are trying to demand and tell us what you want from it. Well, you want the, you basically want Metal Gear Solid 1 again, so we're just going to give it to you again, and we're also going to make a point while giving it to, giving it to you again to reiterate our point that this scenario, these things that are going on, are not good things, and you are very strange for enjoying them, mm-hmm. which is sort of hypocritical f- sounding at times when a creator just sort of builds a thing and then it's like haha you enjoyed this thing that i put a lot of time and care into making sure that you enjoyed like but well it, 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 luckily i don't i mean we've we've talked about it for an hour so i don't think uh, it, the game is that at all uh but there's definitely an element of that there uh which for me i feel is kind of justified by four i think four is a way more explicitly a game about metal gear than two yes. is like as i said two has a layer beyond the um meta stuff whereas four inverts that and it starts with its societal stuff and then four's final scene is maybe the most meta thing in all of metal gear uh actually i wanted to ask you about like wh- where do you sit on fours like do you, as a conclusion I, I mean technically it's not but well, it still helps to think of it in that term it tends to be my least favorite game in the series mm-hmm. that's fair um i think I think it's fun to play for like the first two acts. <laughs> yes. And then uh, and then it's the the um Eastern European chapter is not enjoyable. Nope. Um if only because you have another rail segment um which is just the game seizing upon another thing that was in the series. It, literally it puts you on a bike again with Eva. It puts you um, on Eva's bike. Yeah, it puts you on that bike. It puts you on there with her, and uh, but then, God, God damn it, um, Act Four, Returning to Shadow Moses, is a is a is a brilliant thing. It's, yeah, um, everything that happens during that chapter is really great, up to and including the ridiculous sort of boss fight where you have to take on all the geckos and you know Vamp and Raiden are fighting on top of the Metal Gear Rex sort of inverting what happened with liquid and, and solid snake fighting on top of it and then you have the entire boss fight between rex and ray which is amazing about uh the vamp and rider fight specifically i wanted to mention that we spent so long in this uh uh podcast talking about in vamp's role in two and how like the player cannot kill him 
and he comes back despite everything uh like raiden can, cannot affect him but when raiden is no longer the player mm-hmm. uh you because snake has a boss fight against vamp in four but vamp comes back to fight raiden which you can't control uh and raiden is eventually the person who kills vamp free from the player's influence raiden has the greatest amount of influence within the series including metal gear rising when he's generally free from the player's control mm-hmm. um even in metal gear rising where where you are controlling him all the time like he exudes more control over himself like identity wise and everything when he like like even in a cutscene. so like rising i'm sure probably won't f- figure into a lot of what's being discussed here i mean but i wanted to talk about it a little bit because this is basically the part where we're going to talk most about raiden uh, and i yeah. know how much you like rising and i love rising too it's so good yeah i'm writing a book on i it. know i'm very excited to read it yeah probably sometime early next year nice uh-huh. um but it's raiden's biggest raiden's biggest problem mm-hmm. is that he's a video game character like i hate having to phrase it that way but it's absolutely true bryden's biggest problem in metal gear solid 2 ignoring like his vanity and like sort of his self-delusion right which is reinforced by almost everything in the game there's a reason why the big shell is shaped like a double helix and things like that yes um but like when i want to exert control over the space while controlling Raiden, so like when i'm going to snipe vamp like sure i snipe vamp but oh he stabbed emma and then he all, he comes back in the end cutscene anyway as like a 2D flat cardboard cutout that you see for two seconds and just enough for the game to tell you like, yeah, you couldn't, you still couldn't. He's still um, around. Yeah. Yeah. And any, any time Raiden is in control of the player, every one of his successes is undercut mm-hmm. with the only exception being um, the fight against Solidus. Mm-hmm. and and i mean that changes once you head into the rising series but even then he has a little bit more agency in terms of like i, I wish i knew how to phrase it but in in that series um he's he's more in tune with who he is but he's still lying about himself for a long time and then there are moments where he sort of comes out of his shell and asserts himself yeah the the big like pivotal moment in uh, rising is has nothing to do with any of the players actions it is raiden's decision to have how he sees himself as a person yeah. and that's when jack the ripper like is a thing again and oh rising's really good everyone should play rising uh, the th- one of the things i thought was interesting about rising that i don't know if i'll be able to get to the other in the other podcast i thought i'd mention now is how uh the reference of 9-11 in that game yeah it's very it's very interesting to have metal gear explicitly reference something like that not to say that metal gear hasn't referenced those things before but well for that uh, that incident specifically like in four it clearly uses the arsenal gear landing in manhattan as an analog uh yeah it sort of ends up being the 9-11 thing but then rising says that 9-11 was a thing that happened and like troops were still sent into iraq it's rising at the very least like in terms of commentary two has great commentary just to say about like how delusional the notion of like american exceptionalism can be mm-hmm. but then it does that through the through like the veil of metal gear 
solid world right yeah. like you you still have to see through that lens and then rising sort of takes that lens away and says like oh no 9-11 was shit you went into the middle east and you did all this dumb shit um and then like armstrong shows up and says like americans are this fuck this fuck and like he says fuck like 90 times and it's all and it's it's really refreshing to see the game not that the game was ever hiding from these things but to see the game be able to sort of just say it freely as opposed to having to say it through like the obfuscation of like oh the patriots and well, all of these other things what was interesting about it to me uh is it felt like tragically now with how metal gear has gone metal gear rising in many ways feels like a way of asserting like metal gear's identity in a way that is like accessible and perpetual like it's like here is a thing that is very recognizably a metal gear game but its universe and its context has shifted with the world that is around like it is beholden to the real world and the real world's context far more than it is its own chronology yes so it is about what does it mean to make metal gear as a franchise something that can continue to exist without this chronology without like kojima involved what does it mean like what is the identity that we preserve as we make it a franchise that can keep going and then metal gear sort of five happened and everything changed but that's what rising was to me i think the important thing about rising is is understanding that i mean ignoring the whole like oh this is its own thing that's sort of yeah. breaking away from the form and 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 doing all of its own unique things identity wise the way it reasserts itself as a metal gear game is sort of like you said um to force commentary upon things but the nice thing about rising is that like keeping in the tone it it just can be more direct about it mm-hmm. um it can like in order for it to sort of be relevant it needs to talk about things that have like a certain focal point or like commonality that people can appeal to um it's it's far more evocative to say 9-11 than to say like the shadow moses incident or something in the game yeah it, embrace it, embraces that wholeheartedly it doesn't assume that the audience has a like emotional context and thematic understanding of every other event in the metal gear universe and metal gear solid 5 does that to a certain extent with how much that it it explicitly like it's definitely tied up in in all of its connections to peace walker but it also is just like well here's the cold war and here's like the afghanistan conflict in the 80s and like here we're gonna like explicitly reference these things i think after metal gear solid 4 happens and you sort of have the mess of the metal gear canon sort of sorted out a little bit more the games um at least rising in five were able to talk about the real world a little bit easier because it wasn't sort of weighed down by um the baggage of canon what do you uh finally what do you like think of five like now that it's metal gets kind of done maybe we don't actually know but it feels like it's done love it you love five i love it mm-hmm. um uh i wish that the final chapter was included but even then looking at that con- cut content um a little unsatisfying i wish that the final chapter was included because it would have been cool to play i don't think its inclusion like makes the story better or worse no not at all and i think um not not to talk about it too much but i think the stuff it, it it's very interesting to me that we go from metal gear solid 2 which has the game explicitly have your player character divorce themselves from you mm-hmm. Um, where Metal Gear Solid Five explicitly has Big Boss associate himself with you. Or rather, the game associates you with Big Boss. Like, in a direct, tangible, real-world, like, your name is now on the passport that Big Boss is holding mm-hmm. kind of way. And yeah, the... I mean, the, the arc of that has been really interesting to watch because, uh, to me at least, Big Boss as a character 
represents like the author and if raiden's the player big boss is the author so the final act of the series being like moving um the player into that role and like give like saying now go like the, it is basically canon that the ending of the melga saga is a million big bosses all across the world fighting each other to disarm nuclear weapons like that's amazing it's very very strange just just the sense of i mean just really the sense of how much metal gear solid 2 wants to say like okay you don't want to live up to these things you are trying too hard to be solid snake you can never be solid snake fuck you for trying you are raiden raiden is also not you you are just you be yourself stop trying to be all these other things and then metal gear solid 5 kind of goes oh yeah after all that time you are big boss it's it's a very strange turnaround and i don't know what to make of it big boss isn't solid snake uh, Big Boss is um, like bad. He's the vi- he's the villain. He is the Metal Gear Solid's villain, but he's also like this really sympathetic character who is reacting to something very human. Uh, yeah, but it, it, but I mean, just in terms of like the the notion of what Big Boss is as a rank of like mm-hmm. you like the legendary soldier who can there, yeah. there, this sort this sort of thing. There's there's a part of Metal Gear Five that sort of says like through playing these games for so long and following along with the series you have achieved a certain amount of technical mastery that makes you worthy of the title of big boss that makes sense which is which is a very strange sentiment hmm. to have yeah. when the, when the early sentiment was well you want to be snake you cannot be snake snake is also not big boss you cannot be a big boss like it, it i'm not sure what that says about kojima's relationship with fans i'm not sure what it says about his relationship with the series considering that in metal gear solid 4 there's when you're getting chased there's literally a segment where um Drebin's like we have to get this mgs off our tail like metal gear solid 4 has a very conflicted relationship with its own canon to me metal gear solid 4 is the moment where that shifts because um the game like in my interpretation like big boss being a representation of um like the author which becomes very explicit in peace walker and five where like trying to do something like trying to create something that that has meaning but the structures of working within this large industry and system making it impossible to hold on to the core of that right Um, like that's a very explicit parallel to game development uh but with four like the whole point of four is that the melga solid series was pointless like what that why why did any of this happen it all happened because this guy had an idea and it was a bad one and the final scene of this the final scene of at that point the entire series is like big boss the author of everything that has happened up to this point like coming in and taking responsibility for what he's done and saying the character doesn't have to die i have to die i am i am exiting the picture and setting all of you free uh so yeah and that's like is a beautiful ending to the series which then as you say gets weird because they they made three more of these games (laughs) yes and he wasn't free after all but I think it's like it's clear that after that they would focus on that downfall and like that, the poison of the inability to just let go. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it means to have the player be implicated in that or like brought into that as like a now you try because I don't think the ending of five is negative. No, I don't think so either. I think I think it's it's just a a, a different type of affirmation than I was expecting mm-hmm. considering what had come before. Yeah, it's it's a lot more like. It it gives a lot more ownership to the player over the series and over the characters than um, sort of what was previously done. Definitely, I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't know. It's it's a damn good game. Um, mm-hmm. 
slumps off in the second half, but everybody says that. That's just because they didn't get to finish it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it has Huey, which I'm just like, ugh, Huey, you're the worst uh, he's the person he's the, ever. He has one of the best lines in all of the series, which is, every, you keep calling it a dog, but everyone can see it's a wolf. <laughs> Fuck, what a fucking asshole. I like to backfill into the, like, Huey, the Emmerich family nonsense, which is, does that mean that Huey's next wife had an affair with, like, the guy who looks exactly, his son, who looks exactly like him, but can walk? Ugh, so <laughs> weird. I don't, know, I don't even know. It's so, like... Yeah, I know. But I know. His, his presence, like, like it's so funny. Not, not funny, I don't know. Like, it's so weird that the most despicable character in Metal Gear Solid Five, a game which is ostensibly about the fall of Big Boss, actually the most reviled character in that game, isn't even Big Boss for, like, something that Big Boss did that was unforgivable. It's Huey for just being an absolute asshole. Huey is the Raiden of Metal Gear Solid Five in a lot of ways. I suppose so. Like, he is the audience perspective going, what the fuck are you doing? But also, but, like, not... Th- his badness is not in, like tied up in that in the way that uh Raiden's is like Huey is also a monster who's like killed all these people and just like pretends that he's not done it but really ineffectually <sighs> also Metal Gear Solid 5 taught me that the word Wolbachia is really fun to say Wolbachia <laughs> all the time I've been saying it like once a month now at least someone should I, I, don't, I don't know if someone's done this but someone should find the timestamps on every single one of code talkers like explaining the world back is and um like see how much of that game's audio content is just the it's just the word wabaki not no, not the word wabaki but the uh info dump about the uh virus because... although that does that does have the hamburgers of oh, kazahira miller which is that's amazing. One, one of the greatest things in the series <laughs> yeah it really is it's so good like that that like if you want to explain metal gear to people like don't even hand them a copy of a game just make them listen to the hamburgers of kazahira miller that's a good question to kind of end it on like if you had to pick one moment from the entire series as like this is uh, what Metal Gear is, what would you pick? And it can be big or small, oh, it can be whatever. Like, what would you pick? Jesus. Uh, it's a big um, question, I know. <laughs> Ocelot, not Ocelot, excuse me, Otacon pissing himself in the locker and then saying that everything is just like one of his Japanese anime. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a good answer. All right. I guess that brings, that's a podcast. That is a good show. Thank you very much, Heather. Yeah, very fun. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Where it's, it's, can we find you on the internet? Oh, gosh. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at TransGamerThink. My website is www.transgamerthoughts.com. I write freelance for a bunch of people. Well, thank you very much uh, for joining yeah, me. Yeah, thank, thank you. Po- I don't have a good ending. I don't have a good no. stinger, I'm afraid. It's all right. I know. I'm going to turn off... Uh, I'm, gonna... <laughs> I'm just going to turn off these machines. <laughs> I stay at the start. And the sky up above And think, what am I made of? Am I full of sorrow? Am I hurt and pain? Or am I filled with love? On the streets below and down.
Thank you. 